David A. Price presents... folks welcome to marvel noise episode 429 i'm your host steve raker barricaded in the comic book bunker where my mental powers are at their height created from the ether with a mere thought to entertain me are my imaginary friends andrew the la rabbit and whirlwind x kevin being imaginary explains a lot steve <laughs> a lot of questions and that's a lot of answer Marvel Noise is a semi-monthly podcast with a scope covering all things Marvel that we encounter. We're the podcast proudly sponsored by nobody, and we mean it. Find new episodes as well as archives going back now 16 years, guys, from when it was David A. Price reading the new release lists and Pat Loika doing his scroll watch. I was just thinking, maybe someone wants to know what the new releases were for <laughs> Mar- week of March 3rd or whatever. Well, I mean, there isn't really a, a, a central news site, so, you know, that might actually be valuable info at this point. Hey, once I started contributing, we got some evergreen material and Backwards Dave and all that stuff. That never yeah, goes bring on. them back. <laughs> so you can find those episodes on the in the archives over on marvelnoise.com which is part of Derek Coward's web of podcasting goodness, the Deliberate Noise Network. There's a noise for everything you need, like indie comic book noise, our sister show, where Andrew, Kevin, Phil, and I talk up the indie comics we're digging. It's true. It uh, is. Uh, and some, uh, released on a semi-irregular basis, unlike the steady old girl that is Marvel Noise, which rolls on <laughs> relentlessly. Thanks to Super Steve's stewardship. Hey, having an irregular schedule is very indie for indie. <laughs> That's right. All right, Andrew, Kevin, take your places. So we've been playing around with alternating episodes between our like group read, deep dive type segments and our recent read roundtable. Pretty much in an effort to decrease my editing and research burdens. And so far it's working. And with that in mind, we've got a roundtable to call to order. So what you been reading? That's kind of how this thing goes. Or watching. Or oh. playing with. Ooh. Toy talk. Yeah. I know Kevin's <laughs> got his eyes on some exciting toys. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm at the point with Marvel Legends where they release them. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I already have those. Yeah, though I just saw the Zabu wave advertised, where Zabu is the Build-A-Figure, and there's a new Kzar with a new face and um, some new body parts sculpted by uh, my pal Paul Harding. And if you weren't a fan of the last Kzar Zabu set, uh, this one is a lot sharper. But they made the Zabu the Build-A-Figure, so it's like... <laughs> Cable, although the cable face is really good too. Paul did the cable face. Uh, it's like the Red Widow, and um, I don't know some blue guy from Thor. And uh... <laughs> you mean from the Donny Cates run? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
and something else I forget. But there's a few of them. Um, but it's like I don't know, man. I really want that Zabu though, because the old Zabu looked like it was like a Fisher Price toy for Pete's sake. Nothing wrong with Fisher Price. Something else. Nothing wrong with Fisher Price. I got the little motorcycle <laughs> guy still. He was pretty cool. And those things were indestructible. I mean, talk about a durable figure. My go-to tub toys. That little boat. I yeah, tried to, yeah. I tried to sink it every which way. <laughs> I had the motorcycle guy and the motorcycle and the little helicopter. It was a little canoe. Yeah, those were pretty pretty cool. To- not superhero base, but fun nonetheless. Kevin, entertain me. Get up on the table and dance. Oh, it's that kind of party? Yeah, I, I have some pending decisions to make about upcoming purchases, Kevin. The heat's on you to well, make, you, you, to sell me on some books. You've saved you me want... some money on indie. Now it's time to cost <laughs> me money on Marvel. <laughs> so I guess you want that book first, then. I'll reorganize my order just for you, Andrew. So Night Thrasher number one. <laughs> I'm not uh, familiar with these creators. Like, maybe they've done some, um, like, they've been in in, in an anthology or something, but I, I'm not familiar with uh, Jay Boltem and then the artist uh, Nelson Daniel. I'm, and then Matt Mila as a color artist. Not, not familiar with uh, those first two. I read this issue too, and uh, I, I don't know, didn't recognize them either, but I thought the storytelling was pretty solid. I, the, the writing I thought was good, and I, I appreciated the art. As I, I mean, it's a little stylized, but it reminded me a little bit of, um, even though I mean it's not a derivative of by any means, but kind of of the stylings of like a Mike Manley or something, where you get some of those oh. those broad shoulders and chests, and um, that kind of that's where the uh, artistic abstraction comes in the form building yeah because i was trying to figure out while i don't think it was like a perfect story i was trying to figure out like why it worked from like a a technical thing for me like maybe someone would say oh this is a this is a terrible book and they would list all these reasons but then i sort of went back and i counted panels and stuff like that like compared to some other like modern comics, I'm like I felt like there was a density here, and a density there is for a lot of there is the, like I guess you you could just jump right into it and just sort of like just put a few captions in and not really address like Night Thrasher's thing, but he's been bumped around. Absolutely, so, get you know, you've, you've read a lot of this stuff too. I mean, this is like coming at it after just having having read like everything Night Thrasher the last few years. Uh, didn't you appreciate that, like, they gave service to the fact that, like, you're going to wonder where, um, you know, uh, his um, uh, handler guy, uh, Cord, is. You're going to wonder where Silhouette is. You're going to, anytime you get any New Warrior stuff together, those are the questions. Where, where's this guy? Where's that guy? I wonder. Yeah, and yeah. so I like that they took the time to answer that right up front, even if it didn't make for the most um, fight a bad guy-ish first issue well that's what i was wondering if someone's not and i can't see a lot of people being invested in night thrasher but for like me i'm like that's good like i i want to know that stuff i want to know what's going on i'm like what about this what about that 
so, I mean, yeah, something that I wouldn't necessarily expect in the first issue. So I was just like, yeah, that's good. There, there was that weird disjointed scene in here, though, where it's like, yeah, we had a good time as the New Warriors. And then they have, like, that frame picture frame up, like, the New Warriors. And I'm like, what weird amalgamation of a team is this? Like, it's Rage, a Microbe, looks like Firestar, Silhouette, and Night Thrasher. And then they're talking about it. And then they mention Namorita. And I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> like, I'm like, did the artist draw the wrong characters? Like, it was just... A weird disconnect there for a second. And then there was the yeah. whole, whole thing of like, it's the Night Thrasher we want to see and we know and familiar with. And then they end the issue with, and next issue, everything changes and he gets a new costume. And it's like, <laughs> okay, it's almost like that. this should have, could have been like a zero issue because the next one is where they're going to change everything up and have the new take or something. I, I'm, I'm, that, I'm a little worried. I thought that was... I thought that was hilarious because when other characters have come back, like Rage or like Silhouette or whoever, like even Firestar, they're like all wearing their original classic costumes. Night Thrasher comes back for this series and he's wearing his later 90s one. I'm like, I like that one. And then they say, well, it's gone. (laughs) I mean, the new one looks fine, judging from the cover for the second issue. Like, it looks fine. It doesn't look really bad. So I mean, I'm fine with that. And, and, yeah, Andrew, go buy this. Yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. So is this supposed to be an ongoing or like a mini, or where are we at with this this I would, uh I would thing. say a mini unless yeah. it it's it really sells a lot of uh, big numbers. It feels like a mini to me. Oh, yeah. But um but it, we're not mentioning a whole bunch of things that matter new warriors wise, so uh, you really do need to get this book, Andrew. I don't know about the subsequent issues, but this one at least you gotta get. It's it's yeah, too good. It it does all the where are they now stuff, which is, you know, that's what we all look forward to in these things. Well, what I was trying to um, wrap my small brain around is I think we uh, passed on the Night Thrasher series from the '90s in our massive coverage because I know we did. Thank you. Some of like the Nova <laughs> and the others. We did the. Um, they did those interlocking minis that we did, you know, for control and for balance and all that nonsense, uh-huh. which uh, I don't think any of us really like. So I was yeah, like, just this... just the parts that we read that those chapters were bad enough. <laughs> That's what I like. Is this so, Kevin? You're the new warrior because I we skipped Night Thrasher, but I'm sure you actually read that old '90s series. No, is this like a? <laughs> <laughs> By then, by then, we most readers had caught on to what they were doing in the nineties, Andrew. And uh... I, I just—I so, I read that first issue that was sort of like the crossover issue, and then I'm like, I guess that didn't blow my socks off, and I didn't have enough money, so I mean, I just never got around to it. I, I fished those issues out of the twenty-five cent bin, and here they still sit, waiting for, for them to get read. So, I mean, time and time again, maybe read. A few more of those issues but there's still more to read okay because i think i was the one that was like or maybe it was super steve or like i think we've bought a lot of ancillary issues of this stuff yeah. and 
the minis I thought were not a great way to set up for people to get that excited. They just felt really not not that. And the other thing I think that hurt it was it wasn't on the unlimited. So that was another blow. And I don't don't believe they've added it since. So no. fresh beginning. Uh, you're saying I don't need the critical his own little indie that lasted, I don't know, 40, 50 issues or whatever. Wow. So wow. Maybe I will instead try this to see. So you think this one's going to go 40 or 50 issues? Oh, sorry. It only went 21 issues. So wow, it what's went that the far? over under on uh, Night Thrasher passing 21 issues this time? Under. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a mini. Okay. Then I will, based on your recommendations, I will purchase it if it is at the store. You know, I think there was a little hubbub online about there was a promotional thing, or maybe it was originally supposed to be on the cover, like sort of like out of the 90s or some comment like that, and it is not on this cover. So I don't know if they removed that or if that was just like the promo and then people got upset and then. Well, is the skateboard super cool, Kevin? That's what we really want to know. I mean, of course it is. And does he still have his little mini gun hidden away in the back? (laughs) I don't know. So no cutaways on the Night Thrasher armor is what you're telling me. Not yet. Wait wait to the that, new costume. <laughs> that's right. And there might be other hidden things in the new costume. Maybe some knives or something. <laughs> well, another feeling like it's right out of the 90s. At least the character was saturated so many books at that time. Is uh, There's a new series for The Punisher out and i read the first three issues written by james pasco with art by dave wachter and dan brown punisher see the guy that shoots the mercy bullets i'm uh <laughs> what an obscure 70s spider-man character and then became the fist of the uh, hand and <laughs> became like a demon and then uh died right did he die i thought he was frankenstein Oh, he was Frankenstein for a while. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't he also working for the Kingpin as his guy for a short stint? I think he was an angel or something. And then he learned how to to swear. I had two issues where he was a black guy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wasn't wasn't that Abdon and Landing, or at least one of them? Oh, was it? I think so. I think that was, yeah, some early work. We talked about that time he went to space. That's right. But this this is a new Punisher. It's not Frank Castle. Um, it's not the chick who was the Punisher for a while there in the 90s when Frank took a break. And so this is like the latest re- replacement hero currently along with, because uh, I always try to keep score, um, Moon Knight, uh, Venom, and uh, Daredevil, although he just uh, he's kind of transitioned back, but the other Daredevil is still there too. Um I think those are the only replaced characters right now, right? Oh, and Nick Fury, who's re- you know replaced by Nick Fury. Go figure. But that's Nick a- Fury Jr. Steve, Nick Fury Jr. <laughs> that's true. So this is like a, you know I, I felt like it's like just a guy named Joe, sort of thing. Um, th- th- this guy was Shields. Um, one of Shield's foremost assassins. His code name was Gravedigger. 
and he left it all behind, but one day his past seemingly catches up with him. His house is burned down with his family inside, and now he's on a revenge mission. So it's got the familiar tidings of the Punisher. He doesn't mean to be the Punisher, but his armor chest plate slightly looks like eyes against the back of a skull. And someone in the media calls him the Punisher, and he's like, all right, roll with it. It'll just take him that much longer to find me if, if they think that I'm the Punisher. So he's not out to carry on Frank's mission or anything like that. Um, but similar to Frank, or at least at one time, Frank's uh, scenario was um, this guy has an like an ops manager like an like an oracle who's guiding him remotely through comms and he's got like a body armor and uh, a pretty good arsenal of weapons so he's taking out the operations of this organization as he tries to avenge his family and find you know which enemy of his it was that uh, ordered this. And in the first couple of issues, he, he crosses paths with Mr. Hyde, a new night shift with the eel, and a fearmonger, the daughter of Mr. Fear, who's like, um, uh, like, a, like a mutant. She's all like, uh, deformed and uh, grotesque, scary, <laughs> fear inducing. Yeah. I always thought Hyde was really pretty funny. Like a Thor villain that got downgraded to like a sometimes daredevil villain. Oh, yeah. Well, what's fun is because... What, what happened to that guy? <laughs> because you're seeing him... that was the point of that daredevil story, though. It was like daredevil fighting someone that was more powerful than him. Oh, yeah. Well, he did take out Ultron, so I guess... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Here it's cool because Hyde is in his um, regular guise, and you encounter him through this character who's never met any of these supervillains or anything like that. So it completely takes him by surprise. And as a reader, you only figure it out a couple of panels before it's revealed to him. And you're like, Ooh, it's, <laughs> it's going to be Mr. Hyde, uh, Zabu or Zabo or whatever his name is. You knew it was coming, but so then, uh, he's also this new Punisher guy has the cops who are after him because he, is the chief suspect in the killing of his family. Um, and somewhere along the line, second or third issue, his investigations also suggest that maybe he wasn't the target when his house was firebombed, as he thought, adding another wrinkle of intrigue. But you know, it's well-paced, Walker's art, is is really nice looking you know he's got that almost and uh, again i don't want to box him in but he's got that lee weeks kind of nice um but still really moody uh, but nice clear good storytelling i found so far this is interesting i don't know how long they're going to try to keep this up or carry this off but uh it, so far it's um it's all right it, it it was a good time for frank to take a break so, well, Walker's always a selling point for me. So remember yeah. the Guns of Shadow Valley way back in. The oh day. yeah, that was a great book. Still have my um, widescreen, you know, long version of it on the uh, book sticking out of my bookshelf. 
awkwardly. <laughs> yeah, even I have that. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I went to a small comic book show. Whoa! It was look one at you. of these little, like, two room jobbers. What was funny is they were advertising Howard Chaikin, which seemed a disproportionately large name for what I charmingly refer to as dirt shows, which are basically just long boxes and, you know, pops and some toys and stuff type of thing, you know, five bucks or whatever to get in usually. And you just kind of wander around. So it was strange that they would have, you know, they normally got some, I was the fifth, whatever power ranger i was in some horror movie type <laughs> sign and stuff too but i was just there to take a look around went with my wife and she saw this comic book and it was like what's that and it's right in my age wheelhouse and i'm like i don't know and she's like uh we're steve he would know what this comic <laughs> is so i bought it uh it uh it's a generic comic book number one from oh, 1984 geez. marvel and i was like you know, it didn't have a price, so I asked the guy, like, what, three? And he's like, three bucks. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, I don't. It's a funny gimmick. For people a bit younger, there was a trend of uh, store product brands that would just have the name of the product. Most famously, beer. If you watch the old man movie Repo Man, you'll see when they buy beer, they buy the generic brand that just says beer <laughs> on a white label. But they had all these different products, and it was just... Basically, that that was the gimmick, and the idea being it was cheaper because you weren't paying for the packaging and advertising. So this drops right into it with a blank cover, just generic comic book, and a description, no artwork on it. And it's um, Larry Hama. The thing I don't like about it, and I totally understand, is the lack of credits. Steve Skeets wrote it, and a lot of people drew on it. And look... Uh, think 80s indie black and white boom for some of this artwork. It's a little rough. The other thing I thought, I can't really tell. Okay, I'm an old guy, and I remember the 80s. And it's, I would have advised them to go more over the top in the traditional Marvel funny book style. This one is a little restrained. So while there are gags, basically it's your put upon. The guy doesn't even get a name for his character. That's how generic he is. And he has... All the problems piling up and can't keep his job, can't pay his bills. His girlfriend's going out of town. And his power comes from all the ambient radiation from his glow-in-the-dark tchotchkes. And he breaks a three-mile island snow globe. And that triggers him to power up. So there is some bits about that. But I feel like when I have a Marvel humor book, normally it's there's no... They just jam a lot more jokes in, and it's way, way over the top. So is a humor book, but I thought this was strangely restrained for a Marvel humor book. Also, you forget, while it is my wheelhouse, just how super dense these early 80s books are. So it will take a long time because they loved the letterer, I hope, got paid by the letter for this one. So as I, as I remembered it at the time, I... I... Bought it off the bookshelf and still have it somewhere behind me here in the bunker. One of these boxes. Um, think about the time that it came out and what was happening in comics. Is This was the direct market boom when 
people were putting out their comics left and right. Um, all these other companies and the ones that were trying to do capes were usually thinking of kind of the Marvel take rather than the DC take, let's say. In fact, DC at this time was Marvelizing every character they had and turning them into Marvel versions of their characters as best they could. If they could get Marvel creators to help do it even better. So I thought that this was a tongue-in-cheek look at the formula that everyone's trying to do. Yeah, I mean, it, we're almost ready for a special on um, Disney Plus of, like, the generic superhero movie. <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm saying? I just, I, that, that, I, that's I, what I remember this being. I, I don't even remember it being a, I'm going to read this through as its own thing. I remember it, like, piecing through it as, okay, I see what they're doing here kind of thing. But I was also, what, 14 at the time. <laughs> yeah, to me, it also wondered if there was some kind of almost like it was like a tryout book for the art teams or what, like they decided, Hey, just get a script and get 15 different guys to give a shot at a page and we'll see what it ends up. If it thing, the other thing that's curious about it is I guess they really wanted this generic trend and that's the parody because the cover is so, (laughs) it's just text on a white, Black text on a white background. So, yep. but it caught my wife's eye. So, and I bought it for three dollars and for sixty cent cover price. And, so it's appreciated in value, Steve. And and here we are in a day and age where people buy blank covers all the time, <laughs> yes, right? Where it's like a thing, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> why you want a blank so, cover? <laughs> sadly, all the text would not leave you a lot of room to go into it. But yeah, it, it was a just such a strange artifact of something that i'm sure they just had sitting around it was like well we have a slot at the printer or something or some other book maybe didn't make it and so they're like well let's bang off enough copies and i also feel like i know inflation and prices only go one way or whatever but for 60 cents i took flyers on all kinds of garbage and didn't really feel put out by it even though i'm sure inflation adjusted Maybe my $5 floppy isn't that much more, but it just feels like, because I'm old and out of touch, that a $5 roll of the dice seems more suspect than when I was a kid. And it was like, eh, it's 60 cents. It's garbage. I'll never read it again. I was getting like a dime or a 15 cent discount too, so. Yeah, yeah, that's right. With with whatever discount you were hustling, it made it even less, and it really felt like you could take a, a, a... Chance. Oh, and the other thing is you just wait, and you know a ton of this was going to be in a quarter box or in a 10-cent box or, you know, 20 for a dollar or whatever and pick it up that way. But, in fact, this is probably quarter box fodder, but I don't know. I thought it was really fun. I just got to find something to send it to. (laughs) I didn't remember that more than one artist was involved. In my recollection, it was Tony Salmons who uh, had done the book, but um, that's just my own memory, and I wasn't that big of a fan of his style um I, there is a lot of consistency but there are a few pages unless the anchor just went crazy where i'm like this feels a lot enough different that i i and i probably over exactly maybe like four or five manny hands jumped in not 
15 or mm-hmm. not every page and they kept it consistent but some of them is very wonky's early 80s superhero action visuals that I wouldn't I did not associate with Marvel at the time but it has it's also such a weird artifact of like he rips his suit and he's like well I'll just have my secretary fix it at work and I was like in 84 <laughs> like I don't <laughs> having worked as a secretary here didn't you see nine to five? Point. Didn't you see what they did to Dabney Coleman? <laughs> like, I don't. What vision of an office was happening in the mid eighties? Where they? I don't think this was the the old days. Where well, what about comic book uh, offices? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe this, if that's what they knew. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, generic comic book. I. I thought it was a funny novelty. It doesn't seem to be on the unlimited. I don't <laughs> figure. Like, there's no. They can't be worried about paying royalties to, because because I guess uh, Skeets only admitted it in an interview like a decade later or whatever. And I kind of get it. It's not anything that you're going to be like, oh my god, I, I want fifty issues of this. But I do think they should have given credit. I mean, I don't like the no credits thing. It's not cool. In general, especially for Marvel, that was their whole thing. But they were leaning into the generic part of it. So, but I mean, Larry Hammer gets his name on. It. <laughs> oh, maybe if he, maybe if he goes to, I go to something with Larry, I should get him to sign. This. Oh my god, <laughs> he'll, he'll slap you with it. All right, yeah, Kevin. So, the... if, if anyone wants generic comic book, hit me up. I'll probably send it to you for free. All right, the bottle's spinning back to you, Kevin. All right, let's take a little side trip into the future here, into a little uh, little X territory. Some potentially dangerous territory, but, uh, you know, they kind of they set up a lot of stuff. Like, and they've done a lot of stuff. Like, I remember in those, like, on the, with the beginning of the Krakow era, you know, you had all that Hickman stuff about the Dominions and, all this wild ideas and you're just like, oh, that's cool. I wonder if they'll ever get to that. <laughs> and I feel like the other other book isn't quite as exciting, like the fall of the House of X. So for my money, I'm uh, totally on board this rise of the powers of X. This is the Gillian uh, Silva book. Well, I thought it was 10, not X. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. We'll go with that. That's good. <laughs> but yeah, this is the one that's picking up on pretty much all the, the wild ideas that, that Hickman dropped and, and they're still mining. And I think they could continue to mine for many years to come, but we'll see what happens. I mean, it's still holding out hope that, that we're moving forward. But anyways, if we conclude the story, at least I think Gillen can uh, hold up his hand to the bargain here. Because you have uh, my favorite pink robot in here. <laughs> and he's doing some uh, some business in the future. That's what I'm going to use now, just business. Business is, is my, my, uh, my, my filler word. Just like when Xavier goes to space, he has some space business to do. And everyone knows what his space business is. Hey, when they wind back the clock, you know, yeah, every era has ups and downs, but this whole 
Krakoa thing, I think people are going to be like, yeah, it was kind of a fun, you know, if you think back to the different, like, it's as much fun as the Asteroid M era or any of the other kind of goofy, fun stuff that it has. I mean, I will be curious if they're going to just reset the table with some brand new, like, reshuffle the dice or just slowly pull it apart. Yeah, this is pulling at a lot of threads because you had the whole thing with the Sins of Sinister where he was had his whole setup where he could reset the universe and just try over and over and over again. So there's definitely a progression on that front. So, I mean, that makes me really excited because I'm like, wow, that's dangerous. I mean, that's also really exciting, like all the all the stories and all the craziness you can do with that. And then they also have these like crazy bits with like using that whole like supreme intelligence idea. And they're like, well, what if you applied that to other stuff? Like stuff that's just filling my head with ideas. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. So that's it. It's, and then to have uh, RB Silva back, like one of the artists from the original like when they first started this business too. So, I mean, he's just pretty great in himself. So, oh, and then they have, of course, since this is one of those X books, right? They have one of those famous like diagram timeline things. And then they're showing you, it's like kind of like looping back on itself. And they're like, well, this happened then, but what about this? And then it's like footnotes and like, symbols on, on top of that to explain what is going on and i'm like this is totally my jam i'm like i love this stuff <laughs> what life of moira are we living again I... <laughs> exactly <laughs> i do wonder if the subsequent creative teams are like uh now we got to do graphics too <laughs> like they feel boxed into the graphics game or not it seems to be a i wouldn't say it's a trend but it's yeah it seems to be like like, while you wouldn't have maybe as much text in your, like, your comic pages, I, I've I've seen graphic novels and, like, just comics do that thing off to the side with, like, the graphics are then, hey, here's a whole page of text telling you about this other thing. Like, you don't necessarily need to read it, but it's, like, filling in a lot of, like, other things. Like, if you're really into the story, I'm like, check this out. So I'm like, yeah, a lot of backstory and a lot of a lot of exciting stuff. So I'm in. I'm I, I read these two, and uh like you, I'm curious to see when it stops being set up and when it starts happening. I mean, it, it uh they're really spending a lot of time in the uh immediate aftermath of their massacre. And yeah, it's, um, it's it's like if I was just a casual reader or a person who was coming in and giving a try to the X-Men, it would be difficult to grasp on to something that was um, likable in some of this. But being a longtime reader, you can see you, you're still getting some of those character moments that mean something to the informed. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I would ever be into a sham... Cyclops trial, like that's just its own thing. Where yeah. I was just like, oh, I thought we had already bypassed this. 
Time for Orcus to start getting torn apart. <laughs> yes. If you can tear it apart. In Iron but Man But I feel too. Like, like the high-level stuff, like even if I don't know who any of the characters are, I feel like some of the high-level stuff I would still be entertained by in Rise, where I would just be like, I want to find out more about some of this crazy business. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. I read three issues of a new Thanos uh, limited series written by Chris Cantwell, whose work I've enjoyed quite a bit, both in Marvel and, and outside with art by Luca Pizzari and they're uh, featuring Lena Liu covers. This is not what I expected. Um, the premise here is basically that like the Marvel personification of death, the one that's a female in the purple hooded robe, sometimes skeletal and usually talking through a familiar of some kind, must have seen the DC Vertigo death, who's like a yeah. gothy, spunky teen, and thought, oh, the grass looked greener and that might be fun to try and, and maybe she should. So we're introduced to this goth teen orphan in Fresno. She's got tats and threads and piercings and, you know, a little bit of a fascination with death. And then Thanos kidnaps Fresno. I'm going to repeat that because that's like major. Thanos kidnaps Fresno while looking for her. And the Illuminati, here the Illuminati's Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Reed Richards, Emma Frost, and the Blue Marvel. The Illuminati find her first, and they explain who she is and what's going on and why she's the one that Thanos is after and why she better run and all that business. So the chase is on in Fresno floating in outer space, and Thanos practically whips out the Spidey Super Stories Thanos copter, but that's not there, so he finds, like, a pickup truck and we got, like, Thanos, like, driving a pickup truck, and he's, like, bouncing the pickup truck and the pickup truck, like, doesn't have shocks that can handle Thanos, so it's almost like a, it's slowly looking at a truck, like, at a demolition derby or one of the, you know, like, uh, under, uh, fights at a, uh, <laughs> at, at some sort of derby, um, local derby-type races. It's really crazy, uh, it's not at all what I was expecting, and it's not really Thanos' story. It's it's more like an Illuminati tale, I want to say, because you see things from the girl's perspective, and then you see things from the Illuminati's perspective, and Thanos is just kind of coming and, and uh, you know, driving along. <laughs> it's really weird. I don't know where it's going to go or why it's going to go um but the uh, correlation to the neil gaiman death is i mean it just hits you right over the head it's like what come on so i'll give it a try Thanos truck coming to a store near you Thanos truck oh my god more like Iluma Hadi, Steve. <laughs> with with Emma in it, sure. I'll go with that. 
All right, you're up, Mr. Generic Comic Book. All right, how about some more old man comics? I feel a little weird because the fourth and final issue of the mini hasn't dropped yet. I mean, I will be getting it, so I'm only talking about the first three. But I briefly mentioned, I believe, getting this uh, ridiculous cash grab uh, based on the name of the creators. It's the Tom DeFalco, Pat Olaf, uh, Marvel Secret Wars thing. So what they did is they did, they, and they even show in the inside issue number one, like we're inserting the story between two panels in Secret Wars number 12. Now, to be fair to them, I don't remember Secret Wars that well. So <laughs> maybe there was no other segment to do it. But the big picture is they're going to pull out some of the characters of Secret Wars for a secret Secret Wars. So they're going to do the original experiment of the teams against each other because the Beyonder kind of screwed it up. Wow. Spoiler for that. You know, Doom steals his power and Ooh. then they have to trick him out of that and all that stuff. It's uh, I remember really enjoying it as the sort of crash superhero punch up with Mike Zek covers. But it's I'm sure it's pretty brainless stuff. Even back then, I think I was like, check your brain at the door for this thing. I mean, it's cool watching Spider-Man like beat the entire. Yeah. But so it it <laughs> has those moments in it. Yes. And and they back at the time, Kevin, being someone who was buying comics then and seeing that this was coming and reading the, about it in Marvel Age or whatever, they advertise that going into it like things are going to happen here, and how they best um, drove that point home was they had the heroes leave in Central Park one issue. And the next issue, they were back, and 12 issues of story happened with all the things of the Secret Wars. But when these heroes came back, they already had all these changes happening. And so you saw that, yes, even though this is a fluff, you know, toy um, a, a licensed thing, um, we're having stuff that's made... Spider-Man comes back in a black costume, you know? The thing doesn't come back. She-Hulk comes back as a Fantastic Four member. Um, Kitty comes back not, um, you know, the, the, the Kitty-Colossus um, connection isn't there anymore. She She's mad at him. Um, this is weird. Just... Hulk broke his leg, Steve. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but well, you, you got to see that stuff deal. in real time, though, like the next issue. And it's like, whoa, I got to read this thing to see how all this played out and how we got here. I mean, that was the first substantial redesign. I mean, not just getting rid of web wings or whatever, but a real, like, oh my gosh, we're... And now it's so common, you wouldn't think anything of it, but it was a a very big change to the status quo when that was not the typical thing. Like, now, since this time, Spider-Man's had, what, like 20 different looks, at least, with different armors and white. But it's because of how successful this one was, yeah. right? I mean, like, this, it was like, wow, okay, let's do this every once in a while. So a, a quick genesis on this, because I also love toys. What happened was, Mego had a stranglehold on superhero dolls in the 70s, going in the 80s. Some financial irregularities caused them to lose their grasp on the market, they had Marvel, DC, Planet of the Apes, Star Trek. They had different scales 
most notorious are, of course, that like about seven inches, I, I'm guessing, for most of them. But they had the smaller pocket heroes. Uh, there were other companies that had that would get around that by having non-action action figures like Remco had the Spider-Man and Hulk ones that were, I mean, they didn't really do a lot. <laughs> they no. were just, they might have one action figure, but they're basically statues. So this comes up. Uh, DC wisely goes with Kenner. Well, in my mind, that 84 uh, superpowers lineup are some beautiful toys. I still have a bunch of them from the old days, and I don't didn't keep a lot of my original stuff. Well, kind of what and, really happened, Andrew, there is like they got away from that 8-inch action figure size, yeah. the, the G.I. Joe scale, because um, uh, Star Wars figures at that 3 and 3 quarter inch, and then the G.I. Joes switched to that. And so now... The you know both companies wanted to get in on it, so both of them went with these new smaller size. But the pocket heroes were in that three and three quarter size for Mego. I think it was their financial <laughs> irregularities that sunk them more. So the basically the the Kenner superpowers they had an action figure, but bright colors, really a fun line. I have a ton of them. Uh, sent a photo to Kevin earlier of Steppenwolf and Flash. And they are flanking the Mattel deal, which was for the Marvel characters to tie specifically in. I have them flanking Baron Zemo, of course. Now, the Mattel toys were garbage. I have them, continue to buy them, but they were a failure at the marketplace because they're objectively terrible. They have very, they don't have the action feature, which I'm fine with, but they have a real step back in articulation. They're in that four stand. They're kind of in a goofy, like, bent leg position for most of them. They have nonsensical accessories. Like, they all came with shields, but Captain America doesn't have his Captain America shield. And, like, laser guns. They were just, I mean, like I said, I buy them and have a bunch of them and everything. But just a bomb. A couple of toys and a playset. And the lineup of the toys wasn't a great match for what was in the Secret Wars. So what's funny is they've added some of the later wave characters to this Secret Wars within a Secret War. So Baron Zemo, who was a figure but not in the comic, is in this comic. Daredevil, Falcon, Hobgoblin, Constrictor, Electro, and Iceman, which were all subsequent releases, are in these comics. Now, Constrictor, Electro, Iceman were like Euro dumped in the European market, so pretty expensive. Um, some of those in the Spider-Man black costume can be kind of pricey and same, I think with Hobgoblin, I was able to get Zemo is pretty easily and wave oh, sure. one with the exception <laughs> of Wolverine, because he had these goofy clip on claws. You can get the Wolverine, but getting with the claws is kind of expensive. So I thought it was really funny that they fold those in. My only minor quibble is in the beginning Spider-Man teams up with the Human Torch to go against um, the Absorbing Man and Hobgoblin. And I would have liked, instead of the Torch, I wish they'd picked one that had a toy, like Rhodey Iron Man. That was the interesting thing, too. I think this is the first uh, James Rhodey as Iron Man toy. And instead of Creel, they could have used Doc Ock. It would just be funny, so you could literally act out this whole series, which you couldn't do with the original comics. Because they didn't include a lot of the characters and put weird ones in. So anyways, that part I love. 
What I don't love is because it's within the moment, they decide to really raise the stakes, which is doesn't make any sense to me. We know, obviously, not everything is going to get wiped out in the universe. Like, they imply that there's very powerful forces behind this. And I think they should have gone smaller. You can make it a meaningful story. Yeah. Where the stakes, there are stakes, but clearly we know they're not wiping it. I mean, you know that anyways, but you really know that because of this is this little side story. So I think they should have, maybe they still will tie it into the symbiote because they love all the nods to the fact that that thing is going to end up being more trouble than it's worth, which of course no one had any idea at the time that it was created, that they were going to. Oh no, Andrew, those symbiotes were all around in world (laughs) in, in Vietnam and, uh, shield knew had agents and, um, but I am enjoying uh, DeFalco and Olive in a sort of dense storytelling where they're keep so they're pitting the heroes against the villains. And they keep upping the stakes and bringing in the different toys. I mean, characters that we. I mean, good luck though. That no, no lie. Those last three that were Euro releases are expensive and they're not very good. So it'd be hard to justify. But it is kind of funny. You could play this thing out. I think that for the vehicles, they should use the terrible vehicles they made toys of. Anyways, I'm getting off on the toy tangent. But if you like the toys, you like Secret Wars, this is going to be four issues. Maybe they don't stick the landing, but I've been thoroughly enjoying. I mean, I like the creators, too, so it helps. And with the four issues, I'm hoping that we're all going to have. Oh, uh, John Kaliz is the color artist. So I'm hoping that it's the same guys in the last book and it's kind of nice it's this little contained story with the same crew giving this kind of fun action-packed but still condensed secret wars ancillary tie-in but if you don't have any interest in any of those things don't buy this book like (laughs) i think on its own it would be it's a weird artifact of something that isn't as interesting but if any of those other elements are cool uh, you know, it's four issues. I'm sure this will be on the unlimited whenever the six months are up. And maybe I'll give a brief discussion when I get four if it sticks to landing or not. But I liked it. But like I said, I like those guys. I mean, DeFalco, I think he he was like the MC2 guy, yeah. which was the spinoff universe where they the next generation of all the heroes have kids and they carry on the, the, the dream. Yeah, shameless toy tie-in, Steve. Crass commercial opportunity. They really... We're, we're going to tell a story between two panels of some tie-in comic from 40 years ago. You've been the extremes from the generic to the licensed. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all old people comics. I have been... I should have grabbed something new and hot. All right, Kevin, hit us up with... Uh, let's do one more round here. Give us another. One more. Well, oh, I don't know. I might have to do some All right, fair enough. hits to get, to get Andrew's okay. uh, book in here. Because I, I got two books I got to get in at least. Uh, noted. <laughs> uh, this this should be a quickie, though, because, I mean, the issue was kind of a quickie, too. Uh, Thunderbolts issue three came out. Hmm. You know, that uh, Kelly Lanzig uh, boards his uh, joint here. I read it. Uh, do, you, do you remember uh, American Kaiju? I do now. I re- I just remember you going, oh, there's this giant monster, and he's like crawling across America. It's like, <laughs> U.S. 
Hey, that's all I know about American Kaiju. I remember Steve's description. This is the Jerry Dugan uh, Scott, uh, the one where, <laughs> oh, the, no. where the characters do not oh, no. uh, hide your fam, daughters, not all ages, uh, hide your daughters and lock your windows. <laughs> this is that one, right, Steve? <laughs> I don't. I don't it, think you're able to talk about that one on here for multiple was, reasons. Tell me this though, Kevin. Did we know that he was hooked up with the U.S. agent? Because <laughs> having the two of them be like a uh, a buddy team is pretty funny. Yeah, I mean that that's decent enough. I mean, it's just. I mean, it's a bit of a fight book. I mean, but there's a giant kaiju, so like it's kind of like what you're, what are you expecting type of thing. But still, so should I, think should I buy it, Kevin? I haven't. I, that's one I have on my list. I have one and two, but do I buy three? I so, mean, yes, it's Thunderbolts. It's a must buy. And <laughs> Sam stops up bolts, and Steve quit the show over fight bolts. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't blame him. <laughs> But I mean, they finally get the team together for like the conclusion next issue. So I mean, there's that too. I mean, that this one was also I was like I was almost more satisfied in a way with the Night Thrasher because I'm like, oh, look at the density, and I read the Thunderbolts, and I'm like, that's not really the same type of book that's happening here. That's a good uh, contrast. <laughs> yeah, and the other one that I think. Uh, Andrew should get the second or third print of. Um, maybe they'll do a fourth print. I'll always buy the the one with the lowest print run. Uh, is Ultimate Spider-Man number one? Really? You're really gonna? I mean, if you say I gotta get it, I'll go read it. But I'm not an Ultimate guy, Kevin. That was for your generation. Andrew, I read I read it too. I'll, and so let's let Kevin get, have his say, and uh, I'll I'll jump in as well. Well, the thing was, when the original Ultimate came out, I was a suffering Spider-Man fan, looking for some good Spider-Man books. And like uh, Ultimate, you had Cardiac, you had all the it was the classic era, right off uh, Eric Larson, no. and no, huh. it was it was it was you, you had Burn um, uh, and uh, Mackey. Yeah, and Venom. That, that was probably the lowest print run of uh, the entire title in the entire history at one point which is wild <laughs> and those books are worth money now because of that <laughs> but i don't yeah, know I, I, I bet you some of those uh, early art stuff the jms and the spider totem might be pretty low print runs too not as low like that starts picking up but yeah, like I remember like saying, "Oh, well, I don't want to go all in on on this book." So, you know, I mean, I'll get I'll get this one uh, with the, my uh my regular um discount and everything. And uh but I but it's like I look at the creative team though. I'm like Hickman, Tichetto, I'm like I'm like that is very solid. I'm it like is. when am I when am I not going to give that a try? That's why I read it. Yeah. So then once it comes out and I just hear it is absolutely blowing up because I'm just like, well, do people really want to see Ultimate again? Like it, like the last two times, like they cameoed or whatever in some other books. I'm like, I don't know. It, it People didn't really talk about it, but I guess the hook in this book 
is is like enough to get everyone on board. It's just it's just so hilarious that how much of a success it's like. It's like the big book. I know you're gonna say, oh, it's 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 not that long into this year. But when they do a year in review of this year, they're gonna mention this book, saying, "Hey, that was Marvel's biggest hit right at the beginning of the year." Whoa! So it's I, this I, year's Spider Boy. I thought I thought uh, Miles was Ultimate Spider Man. Yeah. No, it's like See, Peter. They're making they're making know, it Peter again, and it's blowing up like the biggest book ever. You know what I I like about this is. It's not they didn't bring back the ultimate universe. Like a lot of those things are like, oh, we're gonna bring it back or something. Like that, the story that was refreshing. Yeah, with the maker and the like that's a long running thing in Venom. And it seems to make sense that he would he would be like, Oh, I'm gonna he likes experimenting, playing, and all those things. Kind of like a sinister when he was playing with his timelines and everything. Like I can see the maker like, oh, what if I create another world? And and do all these different things, sort of like, almost like the fan is like doing. He's like doing his own fan fiction version of like the Marvel universe. So it's not the Ultimate Universe, but it's a new universe that we're going to call the Ultimate Universe because we want to reuse the Ultimate in all the titles. Yeah, well, you don't want to call it the New Universe, Steve. That's, That's not right. Your... <laughs> As a guy that went big on the New Universe, I can tell you, but so they're I, still I frosty. Still get... I still get some of those like weird alternate universe vibes. Like, oh yeah, either I'm like, oh, this is a little twenty thousand AD, or this is a little twenty ninety nine, or whatever. Yep. But yeah, I, I mean, that this definitely goes in a different direction. I'm like, I guess we, they've they've played with this sort of before, like when they had um, Hickman's renew your vows, and they had Mary Jane in there with Peter and everything. So this is like sort of like a take on on that type of thing and that went what was it it must have went at least 22 issues or something like that it was it was a decent run so i mean i i know even though they maybe i don't know if they'll they would admit it that that there's a a significant audience out there that doesn't mind like a married couple in a marvel comic so i mean there's that going forward as well so, I mean, I think it's playing to maybe a di slightly different audience or like there's a there's definitely something going on here. But what the funny thing is, <laughs> is I've often complained about, oh, yeah, the, the character doesn't suit up. in like the first issue or it's like the last page or yeah. something like, yeah. like I've seen that done well. Yeah, they kept but that in mind. But I also think of the original Ultimate Universe, where yeah. I'm like, Peter Six really issues. didn't do anything for like issues. Yep. <laughs> and mm -hmm. this and this is faster, but at the same time, it's a lot of talking, a lot of people moving around. But I was always into that, so I didn't really have a problem with that. But I can see someone having an issue with that. Andrew it was a solid book. It's a nice Spider-Man story and everything like that if you're trying to come to Spider-Man for the first time or whatever. But, um, the, I mean, the problem for me is the same problem when they tried to do the Ultimate Universe the first time around, which is like, I already have a Marvel Universe. I already, and I've invested a lot of time in it, and the, the Stan and Jack and Steve Marvel Universe is still good enough for me. That's why I'm reading comics still. It's not because I'm 
looking for it to be redone. Um, the uh, fears from back in the 80s with the new universe even that Shooter was going to st- make everything end and start everything all over again. That's what these ultimate universes are and if somebody's enjoying it that's fine um i will be reading this book because it is a solid book creatively um but it'll be on the unlimited i feel like it was a bigger fear with the original um, uh, ultimate especially with the success that was that it would replace the regular marvel universe and i guess someone can make an argument oh it did because they took certain elements or whatever i'm like Sure. I mean, I guess you could you could say that. Well, one because that's what they draw seems they were drawing those early uh, movie waves out of the ultimate. So, I mean, I'd know, like that's how we have that's how we have our current Nick Fury. I mean, yeah. I guess there's the man on the wall and Robo yeah, he's, Dugan he's, and all that. He's but, still there. I'd but, like to see Hickman and Chichetto do Spider Man for that, real that's what i was gonna say you know if not you that, a suffering spider-man fan like you're just like oh this john Byrne spider-man is good enough for me and i'm and i like i went through the clone saga and then i get to that and i'm like i want some good spider-man stories so at the time the only place i was gonna find that was in ultimate spider-man and i don't want to say it's the same thing right now but this ultimate spider-man is better than the zeb wills current run of spider-man so that's it's kind of a funny not parallel, but I'm like, yeah, I can, I can definitely feel some of that right here. So, I mean, I'm going to read a good Spider-Man book. I like Spider-Man. So, I mean, <laughs> and there's other surprises in here that I definitely haven't talked about, Andrew. So, there's a lot to chew on. Uh, yeah, uh, it's embarrassing how many different versions of the the Ditko Spider-Man I have. How many formats can I have those stories in? In fact, one of the other ones just came out my way fast. And I'm like, you know, I think I need to stop. I have all these <laughs> 36 or 40 to well, however many there are with the annuals. Like I have them in so many different hard covers and soft covers and ex- expanded it in this, that. I'm like, I think I need to, you know, take a break. I can read that in infinite number of varieties at this point. No, you need the portfolio edition. You need the artist edition. You Why need to have the one up one panel a page edition. You need all of those. I had to get that one that came with the reproduction of the first one because those reproduction books are nice. And those remember who's is that Tashin or yeah. Penguin or whoever? Yeah, those yeah. repo books are fun. All right, my last offering here is uh, I know I talked about this series. Earlier on, the first few issues, when it got started and set up its status quo, but I have kept reading the series, and I'm still enjoying the series, even though it's still on that initial um, storyline, and and that's Blade's current series. And I read issues six to eight. It's written by Brian Hill with art by Lee Ferguson. And granted, the art's a little sparse. It's... um. Reminds me of looking at animation cells, almost. Everything's kind of clean, even though we're dealing with vampires and blood and stuff. But the storytelling is is solid overall. And as I said the other time I talked about the book, the, the angle of the series is that Blade is made to look... He's made to be a chump. 
and and he goes on a quest to be a champ instead of a chump. <laughs> but he gets tricked into releasing this Adana, who is an ancient, uber-powerful demoness. So he recruits Doctor Strange to help him steal a sword. It's like the only sword that can destroy her. But surprise, that's the sword that she needed to enhance and direct her evil mojo onto the earthly plane. So he's like a chump twice. So now he's been made a fool and Blade doesn't suffer for fools, right? So in issue six, he has an issue-long interaction with Dracula. And it's a cordial one. It's, it's almost therapeutic. And by the end, Blade's powers are enhanced on the vampiric side of things. And he's like more in touch with his vampiric abilities than ever before and, and able to access powers that Dracula has that uh, Blade has never shown before. Wow, so it's kind of like uh, how Stella got her groove back. It really, yeah, I mean, we've seen it a bunch of times, right? You go yeah. off. I mean, it's Star yeah. Wars, too. He, he's got the quest. He needs to go fix the thing. He uh, goes and levels up, right, before he... Uh... But the funny thing was you thought he was leveling up, getting the sword, and then she takes it, and she's like, this is just what I was looking for. You're a chump again. So it kind of, you know, um, sends him down a, a shoot in the game of shoots and ladders he's playing as he's trying to chase after this thing. In issue seven, the Hulk whose current status quo is that he's basically a magnet for monsters wanting to take him out, calls Blade about some Adana spawn ghoulies that he's dealing with, so we get a team-up. And Valentina Pinty does the art for this issue, and it's actually more to my liking. The case Blade helps with involves a possessed teen, and it's got some good blade and banner interactions specifically uh, that are really worth uh, those these past two issues the him interacting with dracula him interacting with with banner um they do a lot of talking but you're on the edge of your seat it's 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 captivating um uh, brian hill does a really nice job keeping you interested in keeping the story moving forward even when Banner and Blade are sitting in a diner you know sharing war stories then in issue 8 Blade's quest leads him to hell where he bargains with and gains a powerful ally and you know with hell getting there is half the fun um, so uh, this is a good series he's still chasing down this Adana and we haven't gotten to his next confrontation with her which I'm guessing will be the final one when it finally happens, but um, it, this is there's been enough sub um, levels of uh, of achievement as he's building himself towards his boss battle. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, when you first said it, I thought you said blades with an yeah. S, and I was thinking, boy, that sounds like some. 40 volume manga series about high school figure skaters trying to oh. <laughs> make it to the Olympics or whatever. I, I was thinking about <laughs> Legends of the Dark Knight Blades. What was that, Tim Sale? <laughs> I, I was reading that Blades' daughter for a while, but somehow missed an <laughs> issue or whatever. What was, what was that, like a five issue mini? 
Uh, I never made it to the fifth issue, so I think uh, I only okay. made about three. It wasn't anything bad. I just because I go to the store when I go to the store, things fall off and never get finished, or I read them years later on the unlimited. Uh, that's yeah. how that turns out. Yeah. I- as opposed to me, where sometimes you end up with like a 25 issue run or something, and you're like, oh, yeah, I wonder if that was any good. I guess I was supposed to get around back to that. That isn't great either. No, I I, I think I don't know if it made the uh, the pre chatter, but I at one time had bought, uh, I don't know, 15, 16 trades of the ultimate Spider-Man. Oof. And that was a lot of. I don't think I ever finished. That. That's just a lot to get into. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to get into this. Oh, but it has the bagly feet. New Spider-Man for a new generation. I like the Finch issues with uh, Wolverine in them. I remember buying those, but mostly I stayed away from that stuff. Uh, I was bagly and imminent, so I'm like, you can't really go go wrong with the <laughs> with that artwork there. I mean, it was weird when 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 Mary Jane was uh, what became a wolf, and then. Uh, when Stacy was Carnage, I mean, that was uh, that was that was weird. All right, Andrew, you, got... you want to? Oh, I was going to ask if you wanted one more. You want? Yeah, I was going to say you got one more for us. I got one, one more old man comic for the old man. Uh, you guys can guess what this is? It's Power Pack into the Storm. <laughs> June Brigman comes back. Yay! So fresh off uh, Captain Ginger. In fact, there's a little. What I consider to be a Captain Ginger Easter egg in here. Oh. Or Reed has a I Love Cats coffee mug. <laughs> uh, Captain Ginger was a uh, Ahoy comic uh, by uh, about uh, cats that um, have a civilization where they have spaceships and they run around and do everything. And then uh, Wheezy. So this is uh, the old team back together. Uh, Roy Richardson and Nolan Woodard. I don't know if they were around for the first yes. run. Roy Richardson back. was a Roy Richardson was an inker. Well, he's back on this team. Ow. I feel like June Brigman has not lost a step. So I enjoyed it. What's weird is I'm sure Power Pack went on for like nine thousand issues, but I only yeah. vaguely remember the beginning of it. Like a lot of old comics that those series would just run and run. And then old man Andy only vaguely remembers bits of it, but they do a pretty, I mean, it's a little bit hit you over the head with the, our parents can't find out our powers thing. They could have just let that go a little bit, but they quickly bring in Franklin, who was basically the fifth member of the team from my recollection. Again, don't come at me with how in issue 98, they, (laughs) you know, all got replaced and, dark beast came and ran the team or whatever like i I don't know any of that stuff so uh the whole point is they're kind of disregarded because they're children so they have to then take on everything on their own and franklin is particularly disregarded in these days where he was just like oh little franklin he's way too powerful so we put a bunch of psychic whammies on him so he can't do anything but he really can do a bunch of stuff and then it ties in with the aliens because the the little horse alien and the kind of lizard aliens that gave their power. So they end up, their children end up hanging out. So, which was weird that Andy would like, considering how much grief I've given to Rick Jones and everything, I always felt Power Pack had a good balance of action and character development. And, you know, it's another type of Marvel limiting. Instead of, we got to pay the rent 
or get money for Aunt May's medicine or whatever. This is we can't let our parents find out. And yeah, like we, we better clean get... this mess up. You yeah. know, it's like a Phineas and Ferb thing. Like we gotta like <laughs> make sure all this is away before Mom gets home. Yeah, so they, they do need Candace in this, by the way. So interesting. I like the team. I like the. I like that they're crashing all the toys together quickly. Like in the first one, they let that. They've got the uh, Franklins thrown in there, the little alien horse kid, and one of the lizard horse kids, and the evil lizards track them down, and Franklin had a premonition dream. You know, we're getting right into it. I'm only one issue into this, so for all I know, it's only going to be three issues or one issue or four issues or 97 issues. Whatever it is, I'm down. Like I said, I feel like Brigman's solid. I do have a power pack page I bought from her at San Diego. Just like a genetic, not one of those fancy Kevin pages with all the heroes <laughs> in full blown I mean, that's up. My Thunderbolts design. page does have a lot of yeah. Mine is just like a regular story page of like the horse and they have a smart ship and everything too. And they do place this wherever in the continuity. This story takes place after Power Pack Grow Up number one. But as I noted, I don't really have any sense of the continuity. I think it's a little bit I think that's right in between two panels of Secret Wars 12. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of it is it's particularly difficult with kids at a young age because the fiction of people kind of hanging out at certain ages is harder to ignore. In fact, obviously these characters have joined the Future Foundation and all that, so I do recognize that for some people that will be an issue. It's not really a problem for me. I don't really care. If I like the comic, I'm not obsessed with hammering everything into a continuity. My brain at this point, I can't remember what half the continuity things are anyway. So I hold on to what I can. I'm fine with this kid story happening at the same time that Alex is still an older hero, you know, in a teen or whatever. I'm fine with those. All I the only piece of continuity I can hold on to boys is a robo Dugan. That's all I. Nice. It's the only constant I've got. You don't need to worry about continuity. You got me. Exactly. Now my wife is the one that's always like, "Go ask Steve what this is." <laughs> like I don't remember who who can keep track of all that minutia. Who who's this Del Rusk? I'm sure this is an anagram of something. <laughs> all right, let's make that an episode. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Kevin. Always good to talk comics. Next episode, we start cooking on the Peter David Captain Marvel series from the end of 1999 and into the early 2000s. So that'll be fun. Oh, this would be a good one. Looking forward to it. Give me those 90s comics. Or are these the oddies comics? It's like the last nope. two months of 1999. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, this is this has like that that late late 90s flavor it's not like it's transcended it's uh like early 90s origins so it's a y2k book for sure all right until blade tries the broccoli with garlic sauce make mine marvel later
out she uses kids, she even hates her friends. Who tries to hold on to the reputation she can't mend. And there's some chance we could fail, but the last time someone's always there for fail. Conscious calls for a good friend I was never there 